a short episode on asteroids, meteors, and comets with Daniel T. Andreasen on episode 339 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris, and joining me is Sheen. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the nighttime sky, and this podcast is for everybody else who likes going out under the stars. So today we're going to talk about asteroids, meteors, and comets. Uh, but first, welcome back to the show, Daniel. It's been a lot of fun doing these uh, this series of recordings with you here this morning. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be back. <laughs> Not really sure why Siri is misbehaving, but uh, we'll just roll with that. So um, I was going to say, it's just like we spoke a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So we're going to begin um, maybe first, let's talk just very quickly about the difference between, uh, say, an asteroid, a meteor, and a comet before we kind of dive into each of those topics. Yes, they they are quite different objects, and it's it's a bit confusing for for people, even for me sometimes when I I don't pay enough attention. Um, and just quickly, asteroids they are usually in the asteroid belt, which is which is located between Mars and Jupiter. Some huge stones, some smaller. Uh, then we have meteors, which uh, and meteorites and meteoroids which is just very small rocks um, that are in, in collision with, with Earth. And then we have uh, comets, which are leftover objects, which usually are in the outskirts of the solar system and once in a while take a little trip into the inner solar system. Let's start with asteroids. Where are most asteroids located in our solar system? Yes, so you might be aware that the fourth planet from the sun is, is Mars, and then the next one is, is Jupiter. And in between those two planets, we have what we call the asteroid belt. Um, here we have so far nearly 1.3 million asteroids that we, that we know of. And they are ranging in, in size from a few meters, meters to, to some hundred kilometers. And the total mass of, of all the asteroids uh, are less than, than our moon. Hmm. Um, but it's also because uh, at least one of a few of the, the objects uh, like Vesta and, and Ceres has been classified as, as dwarf planets, uh, which we can talk about in, a, in another episode. I was just going to say the asteroids are pretty spread out, though. I always think of that seen from star wars where they're kind of just sort of like you know going going around the asteroids kind of like a skier going around the gates or like doing like a slalom or something but if you were standing on an asteroid my understanding is like that next asteroid would be so far away it would just look like uh like a dim star in the distance kind of moving against the background stars yeah that might that might be it but that dim star might also be hurtling towards you and it's difficult to see because it's just a small rock. <laughs> I do not recommend anyone standing on asteroids for the record. <laughs> Good to know. Don't try this at home. Don't try or... this at home. <laughs> Professionals only. Yeah. So what are asteroids made of exactly then? Usually they are just rocks like we would know it from, from Earth. Um, but of course, our rocks here on Earth are are being changed according to anything that happens here on, on Earth and on asteroids. They are they are just constant. They are how they were whenever they're created. Um, 
they don't usually have an atmosphere because they are quite small, so they can they cannot hold on to an atmosphere. Um, and some might contain some some water, like the what we used to call the asteroid Cirrus, which is now a, a dwarf planet. Um, and we have seen around 150 of these asteroids. They have one or more moons, which is quite interesting uh asteroid moon this is something new that i also learned um but some are just roughly the same size and they just go around in in a in a binary system like you would see with stars sometimes um sometimes these can be hurled out of their orbit and and have a a close encounter with with some larger objects like the Jupiter uh, or, or Mars. And um, we did see that uh, some of these asteroids that had, that had gone out of the, of the belt for some reason or, or the other, they, uh, they can be trapped in these special gravity points that are around Earth, also called the L3 and L4. And you might remember that one of these up, uh, these points, I think it's the L4 or L2. I think it's L2 where we put a lot of satellites. Anyway. Um, and I think the James Webb is is in one of these uh, Lagrangia or, or L3 or L4 exactly. points. Yeah, I can't recall which one it is. I can't re- recall either. I think it's L2, but but yeah, we have a lot of, uh, of um, telescopes there, for example, the James Webb. And the largest population of, of these uh, children asteroids uh, around Jupiter. Uh, but we discovered our first one here on, on Earth back in 2011. So it's not that long time ago that we we found our own little Trojan, and we can call it our second moon, uh, which I find is it's quite nice. Usually we're not familiar with the second moon of, of, of Earth. Shane, you're a, a meteoroid man. Do you want to chat about the meteoroids yeah um so i guess daniel just what is the difference uh between meteoroids meteors meteorites yes i i have to be honest i had to look this up myself because i (laughs) always get confused Um, so when it's outside our atmosphere and there's a a small rock it can be anything from just a, a little dust grain to to some of the smallest asteroids we are called it meteoroids um, these had have the potential to be something else and when it hits the atmosphere and burns up it's called a meteor uh, which is also what we call a, a shooting star and a lot of the shooting stars are what we see from the the dust lift left behind comets, as I will talk about uh, in a second. And if this uh, small rock survives the the trip through our atmosphere and and hits the Earth, and you can find a leftover, it's called a meteorite. And most of these meteoroids, um, the ones that have the potential outside our atmosphere, uh, they come from larger objects like comets, as I said, but could also be asteroids. but it can potentially also be from the moon or some of the other planets. Maybe there is a impact on, on the moon 
and some of the material that is thrown up from the moon might eventually hit hit Earth. And some of the the largest uh, meteors uh, can be brighter than than Venus, and they are known as fireballs. These are the the big shooting stars, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I've been lucky enough to at least see see one, and it was quite a quite a sight. And I was very surprised when I read this, but it's estimated that nearly 50 uh, tons hit Earth every day of of space material. Wow. That is an enormous amount of of material. I I didn't have time to to double check the numbers, but I do know that it's it's quite a lot that hit Earth uh, each day. But most of it burns up in in the atmosphere, so we should not start going around with umbrellas and hope that it it can stop <laughs> some of some of these. <laughs> yeah, the the fireballs. I I've seen a couple. I think I've seen actually maybe three or four in my in my times out observing. But I've only been fortunate enough to be looking at the right place at the right time to actually see it happen. Uh, the other three times or so, I've been looking in my eyepiece case. And everything brightens up around me like it's daytime. And then I turn to look and I've missed it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but the, the one that I did see, it was incredible just how bright it was and the trail it left. It was, it, it's one of those, in, one of those situations that I, I don't think I'll ever forget. It was really just like, wow, I can't believe what I just saw. Yes, me, me too. I, I remember I, I walked home from university a day after a few beers and immediately I didn't feel the effect of alcohol any longer. I was I was so excited, and I I remember I I, I saw that it broke up, so there were smaller pieces uh, falling through the atmosphere. It was it's amazing sight. Yeah, it really it really is, and you just have to be you know very lucky, right place, right time, looking up at the right area of the sky, and you know it's easy for some of that to not happen. <laughs> Yes, but we we definitely have an advantage over other people's because most likely we are looking up more time than than other mm. people. I I know every time it's dark outside and there are no clouds, I always look up. Uh, not because I expect to see fireballs, but I just like to look at the stars and I might see uh, some other interesting things while I'm I'm looking. So what about meteor showers? Are those how do those fit into this uh equation? Yeah, so I, I talked a lot about all the random things that might just fall through the, the atmosphere. But if we have a comet flying by, uh, it will leave a, a dust trail. And this dust trail we we orbit into at the same time every year. So it just leaves a, a shower of, of meteors, so to speak. So we can predict when it's going to happen, in which direction we're going to look and and when the maximum is going to be. So if you ever want to to see some meteors, just uh, see when is the next meteor shower. But I have to say, every time, I, not every time, but every second time or third time I'm out, I might see one or two meteors. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that rare if, if you pay attention and, and just look up. Yeah, we're getting closer to the Perseid meteor shower in August, uh, which is one of the 
the better ones throughout the year. It's certainly for, for us Northern observers, it's the warmest one with the greatest amount of activity or, or potential, I guess, for greatest amount of activity. But the thing too, with meteor showers is timing. You know, they, if it's on, if it's on a new moon weekend, then uh, you're probably going to see a lot, but if there's a moon in the sky, uh, sometimes that'll wash out, uh, you know, the amount that you're able to see. So maybe we should dive into the the last aspect here, Daniel, which probably gets the most fanfare when there's a bright one of these things. But uh, let's talk a little bit about comets. What are these and uh, where are they located? Yeah, good questions. And and they are very interesting objects. And we just had one recently, right? Mm-hmm. In, the, in the beginning of the year. And I rem- remember I also went out to to have a look through my, my binoculars. Mm-hmm. They are beautiful objects, which are kind of leftovers from the beginning of our solar system. And coming from Denmark, I, I remember we always talked about this as as the Lego that is left over when we assemble something. Um, <laughs> just to be sure that I say this because uh, Lego is, is here from, from Denmark. Mostly it's, it's just ice. It's just huge, dirty snowballs because there are also some organic materials on them. Uh, hurtling through space and um, actually it's interesting since they they have a lot of of uh, water in in form of ice and some organic material they might actually have brought a lot of this water and and some of the building blocks for for life on earth in in the earlier times of the of the solar system if these uh, hit hit earth um, because in the beginning of the solar system everything was much more violent smashing into each other so it's not unlikely to think that we will be hit by by some meteors many of these they orbit near the orbit of pluto which is the the furthest x planet now it's now it's just a, a dwarf planet and they take a couple of hundred years to to orbit around the, the sun and we know this because we have actually records of, of many of these because they were discovered uh, centuries ago by by just normal people looking up at the sky. They don't even have to be astronomers. I, I remember seeing some of these uh, comets uh, with naked eyes and they're really spectacular. There's something unlike anything else we, we see in the night sky. Some other comets, they're even further out in what we call the Oort cloud. And they can take even millions of years to complete an orbit around the sun. So these are not something that we we discover and, and then wait for the next time they, they come around. They take way too long. As I said, the core is mostly ice and some frozen gases. And they, are, they maybe have a size of a few kilometers. And when they get closer to the sun... Some have very strange uh, orbits, not so circular like most of the planets. They can be quite elliptical. So when they get closer to the sun, it starts to heat up and they form like an atmosphere, which we call the the coma. And all the gases that and, and ice uh, that are, are trapped on the comet, they're the ones start to evaporate and, and form this atmosphere around the comet. Now we get to the good stuff. The pressure from the sunlight and the solar wind make comets amazing. They create these uh, tails that can be thousands of kilometers behind the the core of the of the comet, and the tails are, are what most people talk about when they talk about comets and, and and remember. And we have two kinds of of tails. 
we have a dust tail and this is when the comet is, is heated and gases are, are released. Then dust is dragged out with the release of all of this gas and the, the dust tail follow a, a curved arch behind the comet away from the sun. And the, the tail is, is visible from the reflection of, of sunlight. Then we have the gas tail and this is uh, some gas that is ionized by the solar wind uh, and it points straight away from the, from the sun. And it's visible since it's, it's ionized and then it, it emits light. Um, it works kind of in a similar way as, as auroras um, and they are beautiful. And, and usually when we look at comets, we want to see both of, of these tails. Do you have anything else to add to this episode on asteroids, meteors, and and comets for the listeners? Definitely for the meteors and and mostly about the meteors is is really just to to look up. You you might see quite a few, and it's it's always fun to to see. For comets, it requires a little bit more planning, and and asteroids is something I didn't observe myself yet, but it could be fun to to hunt down. Very good, Shane. Do you have anything to add to this episode? I just will maybe quick summary. There's a lot of interesting things in our solar system to to observe. You know, the first few episodes, Daniel, we've talked about a lot of things way, way out. And uh, it's kind of neat that these are closer. But what I like about these objects that we've talked about tonight is its motion. You know, you can see motion through your telescope, typically, um, you know, the, the asteroids and the comets, you may need to sketch and then, you know, sketch the object in accordance with the background stars and come back an hour or two later. And, and, uh, you know, then you'll be able to observe the movement, but being able to see that is a unique thing. Uh, when we're talking about nebulae or galaxies, you're really not going to see that movement at all, even though they're an active, uh, uh, system or object. Um, so anyway, I'm always fascinated by solar system motion, and uh, I'm glad we talked about some objects where we get to see that stuff. I agree. Thanks for that, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can always reach us at actualastronomy at gmail.com with your show ideas, observations, and questions. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, Or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.